Hello and welcome to the Reflecting Light Show. I am your host, April Rogers. I am delighted to introduce you to my pastor, Ryan Lowe from Christ Church. Ryan is here with us today. We're going to talk about generational blessings. We're going to talk about all the things that the Lord has done in and through your life. And I just want to say what an honor it is for you to be here because you're my friend. You are my pastor. You don't like for me to call you my boss, but you... you um, you are my boss. I'm the director of women's ministry at Christ Church, and Ryan was the first person who believed in me for that role. So uh, thank you for that, and I'm loving what I get to do for Christ Church and for the women there. Oh, yeah, you're doing amazing, by the way. Thank but you. But I do, uh, it is an honor for me to be here. It's, uh, and like she said, we are friends. This whole room is our friends. Right. I mean, even the camera guy behind the scenes is our friend. And <laughs> right. so, yeah. It's it's just a couple of friends hanging out, yeah. having God conversations. But what most people may not know is is that is that this is a special relationship between April and I because in a season of my life to where and maybe you don't even know this, but in a season of my life where I needed somebody, like you and your family were there for me and yeah. like really it's almost like God just like inserted you and in, y'all into my life and um your husband Adams just right. really played a huge role in a in a particular season of my life and you know somebody's always said or once said that the closer you get to the top the funnier your jokes are <laughs> and and I'm beginning to realize that yeah. that there's a lot of yes people okay a lot of people that want to pat you on the back mm -hmm. but when Adams came into my world <laughs> when y'all came into my world it wasn't just like encouraging me encouraging me on the things that I've done well or the things that I was doing well but he was willing to have those conversations that I hadn't had in a long time, and it was so refreshing. It was and tough love <laughs> that he's known for. He, he does that with me, too. <laughs> he'll, he'll give me a lot of tough love, but it's good. You know? Yeah, it is. I it love was, it. It was a great season for me, and um, so I do hold you guys dear to my heart, and yeah. it really is an honor for me to be here and to see where the conversation leads. Right. I'm glad yeah. this thing is editable. Because we may say some dumb stuff. <laughs> and, and we can. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, wow. You know, uh, one of the things that drew Adams and myself to Christ Church was the love that we felt from you and from your family. And I know that uh, just being able to come and to serve the women, especially of Christ Church, made me fall in love with them. And from that standpoint, it, it drew us in to have a relationship with you and with your dad. And y'all just loved us into fellowship. And now I can't imagine our life without Christ Church. Well, I don't so know. many friends. I don't think Christ Church can imagine itself without y'all. I mean, y'all play you. such a huge role in what we do. And like and and you said you don't want to call me boss because I do I don't yeah. I see us shoulder to shoulder in God's right. army. That's right. And so yeah, somebody at the end of the day has to make the final decision. But it's like we're all on the same team. We're all pushing mm -hmm. for the same goals. That's and, right. And and whether you realize it or not, the impact that that you've personally made on Christ Church is has been huge. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. I think in leadership, so many times that a lot of the decisions that you're making is is just keeping people in unity and making decisions that yes. bring people into unity. I mean, we know what the Bible says in Psalms 139, that, that where there's unity around the things of God, that 
it commands the blessing of God. And I, I think that. that that how you have just really unified the women of Christ's church and uh, is caused the favor of God, the blessings of God. And now we're seeing a the the fruitfulness of, of the labor that you've put into it. And not just that, though. I mean, what the heck? Reflecting lies. I love it. I know. Okay. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> like, you yeah. really, I don't, I think there's seasons in your life that you're, it's in the grind, that you're just grinding and you're grinding. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, the old saying, you got to step back and smell the roses. I yes. think there's, this is going to be a season of your life that in the moment right now, it feels like the grind. Mm-hmm. But 20, you know, 20 years from now, or maybe 10 years from now, I don't know. But you'll be able to look back at this season and say, you know what? Those are some of the best days of my life. That's good. And you're going to see the fruitfulness of this kind of season where it's a little tough, it's a little difficult, right. and it feels like mm-hmm. to get the momentum and the ball rolling, yeah. takes, it's taking a little bit more effort. But, man, you're making a huge difference. Thank you. And not I just at Christchurch, yeah. but through Reflecting Light That's good. all over the world. That's good. And I have really seen that shoulder-to-shoulder culture at Christchurch through your leadership, just in the staff meetings and the different things that we've done, where we do try to serve together as a team. And I love that. And and I remember whenever you and Pastor Jeffrey called me and asked me to to be on the staff, and I never thought that I was going to work in a church. I just thought I would have my own ministry and just, just sit in the chair and just enjoy it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to work with my people. And I heard him on that. And, and I, I'm so glad that I said yes, because it's challenging. It's challenging me in different ways, but it's good. That's good for me, you know? Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. I, I would also <laughs> say, I, there's, I think even from my own personal life, I would have, if you had asked me when I was 21 years old, would I be serving God in the capacity that I am right now, I'd have told you, no way, man. I ain't doing <laughs> that. Doing it. I mean, yeah. I've seen my grandfather do it. I saw my dad do it. Mm-hmm. I saw behind the scenes. I know the struggles. I know the, even the good and the bad. Right. And I was like, and I didn't want any part of it. Yeah. And, but now. And the Lord had other plans. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a funny story, though. Like, talking about my grandfather and my dad, we didn't realize this until my grandfather passed away several years ago that my grandfather didn't accept his call in the ministry until he was 27. My dad didn't accept his until he was 27. Wow. And I didn't accept mine until I was 27. Goodness. Okay. So, so which, for... is, which is a really kind of interesting perspective. It just tells That's me right. that we're all, you know, <laughs> flapping around out there trying to figure out what we're so supposed good. to do. For a long time. And the Lord was so specific in when each of you would accept your calling. But for those of the viewers that don't know about Christ Church and about you guys, tell us a little bit about the background of how it got started. Um, well, I can't tell you the year that it was now. 1969, actually. Okay. Uh, my grandfather just felt like that God had called him to plant a church in Westmore, Louisiana. Um, back then, there wasn't any like church planning organizations. Now you have things like uh, ART, which is an association of related churches that right. plants hundreds of churches that that have give you resources, that give you kind of a plan of mm-hmm. that a roadmap yeah. to success. There was none of that. It was literally my grandfather felt it. 
moved his family to West Monroe and set up shop. And I think the first Sunday there was 27 people that showed up. Uh, my grandmother had a large family, nine brothers and sisters. And mm -hmm. so most of the congregation that day was, <laughs> was her family. family. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so, uh, and he served in that capacity for, uh, I guess maybe 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And then my dad, I guess accepted his call and we moved back to town uh, and my dad began serving alongside my grandfather. And the, 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 the craziest thing is, is that when you look back over the story of Christ Church, it's, it just, it just, I guess it kind of speaks to God's, uh, his handiwork and how, how specific he is in every little detail mm -hmm. of, of a person's life and of a church's life. Right. My grandfather served, and the church never got over about 75 people for 20-something years. Wow. And so, it, you know, we talk about that as the builder generation. But, right. I mean, to know that, to think about how God created him and created that, the, the things inside of him, that, that stick to itness. I don't even know if that's a word, but just that willingness just to, he didn't need to have a large church to keep doing what God had called him to do. To be faithful in the small yes. things is huge. Yeah, and because he was, the Lord blessed it in the future generation. Yep, and, and so then my dad steps in, and, and, it, and it all speaks about, you know, building on the shoulders of the person mm -hmm. uh, before you. And my dad steps in, and we begin to see growth. At that point, I was seven years old, and uh, little by little, you know, God mm -hmm. began to grow Christ Church and to grow His people, and and so then I step in, and I'm the wild, I'm the wild one of the bunch, and I'm the <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do tell. They, well, I'm uh, how to maybe the wild one is not the best way to put it. Maybe I should just say that like they they're a little different than I am. I'm more like my mom than more like my dad and my grandfather. But I but now I can see that the strengths that my dad had and the, the things that God has placed inside of him are not what he placed inside of me. But it was all for a reason. It was all for a season of the life of the church that, that in this season they knew, God knew that they needed what my, what my grandfather had. In this season he placed some things in my dad that he knew the church would need in this season and then in me. And I think that's where, for me, it took me a long time, I guess, getting okay with me just to be quite just frank and transparent i mean i did my, my examples were my grandfather and my dad mostly my dad and and i always tried to be my dad mm. and i saw how i mean he's the most relational guy on the planet and i'm just not um and so i would always try to be him and it just wasn't working for me it's probably exhausting oh too. absolutely yeah and I'm not saying that I'm going to allow, I guess, the qualities that I have or I don't have to be a crutch, but not to be relational. But I just understand that God didn't create me that way. He created me in a different way. And it took me a long time to figure out that, you know what, God created me uniquely. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He didn't make a mistake when he created me. That's right. But he created me for, with a design and purpose, with a plan and purpose. But I had to figure out who I was to even figure out what 
I guess maybe the specific call that he wanted me to fulfill. Right. I mean, you have qualities in yourself that are different from your parents. For sure. Yeah. And maybe mentors in your life. Right. And I, I don't know, I guess for me, there's this, there was this, I guess this light bulb moment to where I don't have to be my dad mm -hmm. to fulfill the call of God on my life. And I'm so glad that you, you realize that because you are operating in your calling who the Lord has called you to be. And I get to see that from the front row because, you know, just seeing you lead us as a staff is, is your wheelhouse. That is where you thrive you know, bringing in our strengths and, and seeing where we're weak and where we can improve too, <laughs> you know, and so you really have invested in us and that's a big deal. Well, thank you for saying that. I just, I just come to understanding that like everybody, God didn't create everybody the same. We're not all cookie cutters. And, and when you begin to understand the strengths that you have, and I begin to understand the strengths that I have, Right. Like it, it, it makes up a, a, a better picture of the way forward. And like, like Christ Church is so much bigger than one person. Yes, it is. <laughs> and if you're, if you're only getting one person's perspective, mm -hmm. if you're only, if you're, if only one, if you're only leading it through the lens of one person, then you're not getting the rest of the side of the coin. Right. And so I need people like you that have a different perspective, that view life through a different lens and say, you know what? Hey, if we do it this way, well, everybody on this side of the coin are going to see that decision as this. Well, it brings it to the table and we can make a better decision as a whole. I love that. That's really good. So how has it been working with three generations? <laughs> uh, I mean, you worked with family for a while, you know. I I mean, there's good times <laughs> yeah, and then there's yeah, bad times. That's right. Uh, again, I think God was very strategic. Mm -hmm. um, he taught me some very valuable lessons early on that I think that have played out with working with family. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, family's family. Mm -hmm. But when I was uh, in college, I started working with a friend of mine. He was a friend, he's still a friend to this day. Uh, I was in college, he had his own business, mm -hmm. and my side job was to work for him. Well, I have this relationship as he's my boss, on the job, but then we'd go hang out yeah. on the other times. And so mm -hmm. it taught me during that season of my life of, of how to honor him as my boss in one setting, but then him be my friend in another setting. That's good. And so for me, stepping into a role where my dad mm -hmm. is my pastor, is my quote unquote boss, like, all right, I know the scenarios to where in this moment, I need to honor him as my my boss and my pastor, but in this scenario, he's just my dad. That's good. I love that. It's easy. It's nice. It's easy to talk about. It's harder yeah. to put into play. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've seen you do that too, where um, you'll say, I'll run something by you and you'll say, well, I really need to talk to my dad about that before I give you an answer. And so you do honor him in that role. Well, and, and, and as much as I honor him, he honors me as well. I agree. There's a, again, I've been on the team for 17 years now. Goodness. Which is crazy yeah. to think. <laughs> uh, and so, just like with any relationship, there's a, a level of trust that has to be built. Mm -hmm. And I think 
over the years, there's just been this slow layer of trust that has been built between us that, do I have to go ask him? No. But I do it just because I, I want to honor him. Right. And I want him to continue to trust me. And it's not just one guy's decision. We're a team. We're a, right. Your voice is just as valuable as my voice. Jeffrey's voice is just as valuable as my voice. And so we, if you approach things as from a team perspective, I just believe you get better results at the end. That's good. I agree. It's not a dictatorship. Yeah. There was a moment that, that I, one of our overseers at the church, I called him and I was walking through all these leadership things that was going through my head and I couldn't put them into words. And he said, I don't know if this was for you or for somebody else, but I literally had a dream about this. And he says, it may be just for this moment. He said, I had a dream that, and that God told me that the church was moving from cooperation to collaboration. And I was like, well, that's what, I love that. that is that's exactly perfect. what, where my heart's at. Right. It's not some dictatorship. Where we're all going to cooperate with yeah. one person for the like collaboration. We're all, we're all putting right. our voices, bringing our voices to the table. That's right. So. So how many people are on staff now? Oh, a lot. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're running a very large church in our area. Yeah, and it is a large church. It's a large organization. But at the end of the day, it may be a lot of people that show up on a Sunday, but it still feels as equally as quaint as it did when we're, there was only a few hundred people showing up. Yeah. And I think from that is just the value of community that's happened and the discipleship that's like grown, men's, men's ministry, women's ministry, mm -hmm. small group ministry. Um, it just feels quaint. It doesn't feel like you're walking into some big sea of people. It feels like you're walking into your spiritual family and people that you know and that know that at the end of the day, they're going to have my back. Right. I mean, I've experienced it. Yeah. Like in some of my lowest moments of life, I've experienced what a spiritual family, the value of a spiritual family. That's good. That's good. We were talking earlier about uh, the generational blessings that can come you know a lot of times people talk about the generational curses but you had said that this had been a generational blessing for you well we do believe in the tri-generational blessing and mm -hmm. and I think we get so hung up on generational curses sometimes and that's why it's so valuable to fix the things in your own life so you don't pass that junk on down to your kids or that's right um, That's good. I mean, you look at David, he had a problem with women. Then look at his son Solomon. He had a huge problem with good women. Point. <laughs> <laughs> so just yeah. fix the stuff in your own life so mm -hmm. you don't pass that. But I think there's a generational blessing as well. And if you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you can kind of see that blessing being transferred. And I was doing some studying just on, on the dynamic of this relationship between these three men. And and one of the most interesting things that I, I guess maybe brought some clarity to my life about the honor that I need to give to my dad and to my granddad and if I want to build on their shoulders of what uh, they've already done. And it's a, it's a moment in Isaac's, uh, in his life to where he had basically just been asked to leave because he had become too powerful. Um, God was blessing him among all these Philistines and he goes down to the valley kind of basically to start over mm -hmm. and 
He says the first thing that he did, he began to redig all the wells that Abraham had dug before and renamed them. Wow. Yeah. And then he dug his own well. And I think That's it just good. speaks to the fact that Isaac knew the value of honoring his dad. Right. Honoring what was important to his dad. He redug all them well and then it's redug those wells. And then as soon as he dug his own well, what does it say? He hit he hit water. water. Yeah. It's good. Fresh water. And so yeah. it's just there's a value to that. And I believe mm -hmm. that for anybody, if you want to build on top, if like I know for me, I have a son. Mm -hmm. I, my dreams that I have for my son are way beyond anything that I have for my own life. That's good. And so I want him to build on what I have done the same way that I know my dad wants to build on, wants me to build on what he's done, the same way that he built on what his dad had done. But I think there's this level of, of me honoring up while he's honoring down. That's really good. I was going to ask you, what are your dreams for your children? You know, uh. you, you answered that. <laughs> That they would that they would just start to build on that well of what you've dug, and dig their own too. You're right, and I do. That's I would say that's a a big thing. I want them to build on what I've done. But if it doesn't look the same way, I'm okay with that that's too. That's good. I agree. Like I don't want to pigeonhole my son or my daughter into saying, "Well, your life is going to be you know serving in a ministerial capacity." No, like you can be the greatest stay-at-home mom. Yes. on the planet or you could be the the greatest lawyer or maybe a doctor that would be great <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> take care of you yeah, yeah. <laughs> in your old age but yeah. at the end of the day I, less about building on an organizational structure or building off of a church or the size of a church mm -hmm. i want them to build off of my faith oh i like that that's really good like i want i want them to have a better relationship with god to be uh, have the capacity to know God even more than I've known Him in my own life. That's beautiful. We, we, we were talking about it earlier, is that I'm, I, I'm not going to tell my kids what they should or shouldn't do with their life. Yeah. Like, I believe that God has a call and a plan for their life that, that I don't even know about. That's good. And I don't want to pigeonhole them. And so when they come to me, and it's a little different than, than what I thought it could be or what I thought it should be, there's a level of me, I guess, extending trust to them and saying, you know what, you can hear from God That's for right. yourself. Yeah. I mean, right. if, I, if, if they can't learn to hear from God by themselves, then I feel like I've dropped the ball of, That's right. on what I was called to do as the leader of my kids. And that's hard, too, because I, I, I know you probably, um, growing up in the church, in, in the faith, it felt a lot like me, you know, I had always been around the Jesus and, and he was a he was a center of our family. And so I never really doubted that he was real. Uh, but at the same time, my faith wasn't my own faith until I grew up and then I had to stand on it for myself. And it wasn't just the faith of Terry and Kathy anymore, but April had to have her own faith. And was there ever a time in your life where you had to just make that switch where you, it wasn't gonna be Tom and Trina Lowe's faith anymore, but it's Ryan Lowe's faith? Oh, absolutely. A lot of people don't know this about me, but there was a, I was a pretty rebellious kid. 
<laughs> Your dad and, likes to tell those stories yeah, every now and then. <laughs> but there was a season in my life to where I completely walked away from the faith. Wow. And I, it's not that I, I would say that I was didn't believe in God. I just didn't want to be a part of anything that my mom and dad were a part of. Yeah. Because I, I, and I would have to say now looking back, it was probably because I just had never truly experienced the love of Jesus. Mm. I just had never have until I'm, I'm just like hanging on their coattails. Yeah. But then there's a moment that, you know, I think everybody has those moments in life. They're, they're kind of like these life light bulb moments mm -hmm. of, of, okay, what I'm doing isn't working. Yeah. Like, I want to do a different, something different. And, and the thing that I knew is what they say, train up a child in the way they should go. When they get older, they won't depart from it. It was that moment in my life to where the only thing that I knew that was solid ground is what I went back to, and that was Jesus. And, Good. and now that I'm growing older, that foundation just becomes stronger and stronger in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know as... Like you talked a little bit about your brother, there's difficult seasons that we all walk through in life that are painful and that are that are hard. But knowing that I have this foundation that that's never going to crumble out from under me is is so reassuring. That's good. So, was there anything that the Lord taught you during that season of whenever you really had to hold on to Jesus? I think you learn a lot when you walk through difficult seasons. Yeah. I think there's, it's, it's a two-sided coin. I think number one, you learn some things about yourself. Mm -hmm. Like it's in the moments of the pressure that maybe some unhealthiness comes to the surface. Right. That God is like, you know what, this little area right here, yeah, we're <laughs> gonna, gonna work fix on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But then I also think that in the moment of pressure or seasons of that maybe maybe things that you prefer not to walk through in your life, mm -hmm. that you begin to understand some new things about God that you've never learned. There's a story in Ezekiel, and it's, it's a familiar story that we all know. It's the Valley of the Dry Bones, yeah. and we always want to talk about this. You know, the in the neck bone, yeah. you know, coming to the head, you know, whatever, all right. the bones coming together. But in I believe it's in verse 14 that it says that I will put my spirit in you. Mm -hmm. I will set you up in your land, and then you will hear my voice. Good. And, and as you study that, I, I just began to think, like, did they not already know the voice of God? I mean, they're his people. I yeah. believe they knew the voice of God. But I, I believe they only knew a portion of his voice at that point in their life. Um, let me say it like this. You can't know God as a healer if you've never needed healing before. Oh, that's good. You can't know God as a comforter if you've never needed comforted before. Right. And so in seasons of pain, yeah, sure, I believe that God is trying to expose some things in your own life that maybe need some healing or some mm -hmm. restoration. Um, but I believe he's also trying to let you experience a side of him that you've never experienced before. Really and so cool. in seasons of pain that I've walked through, I can tell you right now that I know God's voice differently now than I knew before seasons of pain or seasons of, you know, of darkness or walking through a valley. And, but it, it's, it's being intentional. 
Right. It's like, okay, God, what do you, what do you want me to teach? What do you want to teach me in this season about who you are? And uh, I'm a better person. And so now I can look back and so when, it, when they say God works things out for your good, yes. Um, part of the good is is that you're beginning to experience Him in a whole new way and in a, in a better way. That's great. So, I mean, I think everybody walks through dark seasons or through valleys, and I know that that you've probably walked through some yourself. I know even with the situation with your brother. Right. What were some of the things that you experienced that through that season? What are some things that you learned through that? Yeah, I absolutely. I think that for me, I was able to think more eternally minded after losing Jeremy and just to be able to comfort other people, like you said, you're coming along somebody who has lost someone and just Recently, there was a girl at a conference where I was speaking, and she had lost her brother 10 months ago. Oh, and I was wow. able to tell her, I know you can't see it right now, but for somebody who's 20 years outside, you're going to be okay. The Lord's going to heal you, and you will laugh again, and you will experience the, His joy and His goodness, and and you'll be able to talk about your brother with with, without feeling that sting anymore, but just with great memories and the fun that you had together. So I think that whenever we can think that way and we can say, you know, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. God is for you. Don't lose, don't lose sight of that and hold on to that hope. Then it changes things for people. I, I totally agree. Answer me this question. As you kind of think back over your life, what are, maybe maybe it's a couple of things, what are some of the more valuable things that you've learned about yourself? Maybe some valuable things that you've learned through a season walking through a valley. Uh, but what are what is one of those things that you would say, Ryan, this is, if I've learned something about me, or if I've learned something about God, this would be a huge thing that I would say you need to, you need to hit your, ropes to this wagon? I would say my whole entire testimony wrapped up in one sentence is God is faithful. And even when I couldn't see that in the moment, He is so faithful. You know, the hindsight's twenty twenty, And when I looked back over my life and I could see His hand of faithfulness in every single aspect of it, even the bad parts and the good parts, the valleys and the mountaintops, He was there and He was faithful. And I can hitch my my cart to that because now I know, you know, there's going to be more valleys in the future. There's going to be more mountaintops for me in the future. But I can say with certainty that he is faithful. That's good. I've, I, and I think, I think it's, you don't just like that, what we were talking about earlier, it's, it's through the pressing, it's through the mm -hmm. that season that you, you begin to know God as a faithful God that you may That's have right. never experienced that before unless you have walked through something that you needed Him to prove Himself faithful to That's you. That's right. Exactly. So what about you? What would you I think say? the thing that if... Again, we could talk a lot about God because I've learned a lot about God and just who He is and hearing, hearing His voice in different ways. But one of the things that I've learned recently is it was something that I learned through, I guess, a life coach. I've, 
have two counselors. That's how messed up I am. <laughs> uh, but we were talking through, and he asked me, tell me about your integrity. Mm. And I was like, okay, what do you want to know about it? I'm pretty good on that front. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm not talking about your character, because character has to do with your morals. Integrity has to do with your word. And I was like, I keep my word, man. Like, if, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I promise you I will do it. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. I may be a little late, but I will be yeah. there. <laughs> He's like, no, that's awesome, but what's your integrity like with yourself? And I was like, huh? Mm. I never even thought about I've that. I've never been asked that question before. And so I started thinking about it. And what I began to, un I guess, uncover is that I may have integrity with a lot of people around me, but I had little to no integrity with myself. Wow. I just would tell myself that I was, I was going to do this, or I was going to put this habit into place, or I'm going to, to, to not do this anymore. And the whole time, knowing that I was just lying to myself. Wow. So I had no integrity with myself. And so I think that's been a game changer for me mm -hmm. of, of saying, you know what, I'm going to keep my word to myself. That's so good. So how do you do that? I set up, number one, I'm not afraid to tell people, have conversations about it, mm -hmm. to where it was before, it was just a, maybe something that was rolling around in my own brain. Mm -hmm. Now I, I put up accountability in my life that people can ask me about it. Hey, tell me about this. And you're, you know, you told me that you were going to start doing this. How's that working out for you? Yeah. And so, and I need that. I think every person needs that level of accountability, not just the accountability to, to call you when you're down, but to call you out when you're That's not right. doing what you're supposed to be doing. So we were talking doing. about the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we have people in our lives that can do that, and it does. It, accountability is a big deal, and it propels us towards a greater version of ourselves, which is wonderful. Because I do, I want this this whole living your best life. I yeah. do want to live my best life, but I know that my best life is is only with with Jesus, right? And following the plan and the the habits that He wants me to set up in my life. And so it's like I don't want to just tell myself I'm going to do things any longer. I'm actually want to set a system and a process up in my own life that I actually do it. That's good. I love that. That's great. It's simple, but it's, yeah. and it's, it's, it's effective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Pastor Ryan, this has been an amazing conversation, but I want to ask you one more question. What is one thing that is lightening your load? Um, okay. I think the thing that lightens my load or has lightened my load the most is understanding the value of rest. Um, you know, the Bible talks about a Sabbath. Mm -hmm. My Sabbath looks a little differently than most sure. people's Sabbath, <laughs> but understanding of the value of rest in my life. And, and you and I are pretty driven people. We are. And so with driven people, I think sometimes your brain never doesn't know how to turn off. And so for me, I've tried all these different things to try to find rest and to decompress and unwind, and I could never find anything. I tried hunting, I tried fishing, 
biking. You're a big biker. Well, that is the one thing actually <laughs> that has caused impressed. me to be able to decompress. I love that. So if I'm if I'm hunting, I'm in a deer stand, and I enjoy deer hunting. I enjoy, enjoy duck hunting. I enjoy fishing, but the whole time I'm there, my my mind is constantly yeah. running, and so I leave just as exhausted as as, as if I was at work. But when I put on some Mandex, Spandex from Hand to Toe, <laughs> and I get on a bicycle a, with a group of friends, and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm on somebody's wheel, pedaling yeah. as hard as I possibly can, for whatever reason, my mind can just settle down. That is your rest. That's my rest. That's and so it doesn't look like rest to most people, mm -mm. Mm -mm. and I'm physically exhausted, but the rest that I need but mentally you were yes, able to rest. I'm able to rest. I love that. That's so smart. Thank you so much for coming alongside me on the Reflecting Light Show, for giving up of your time and of your rest. I know that today is one of the days that you get to rest, so you coming here is a big deal for me, and you have been a light in my life, and I thank you as my friend, as somebody who encouraged me, encourages me in my faith, and I'm just so glad that you are here today. Well, I, it truly is an honor. And I'll tell everyone that's listening that uh, I told April this before. When I speak on a Sunday, there's two people that the whole time that I'm speaking, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm running through my mind, what do they think about what I'm saying? And it's Jeffrey and it's April. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm like, what does she think about this thought? And so, man, you've been a, a huge inspiration to me as well. And uh, just to be able to serve alongside you and to watch how God is using you to impact not just a few people, but thousands of people and to, to see you sow your life into the kingdom is just absolutely beautiful. And so thank you for who you are and yeah. thank you for your family and what you guys mean to me. I feel the same. Hello friends, thank you so much for tuning into the Reflecting Light Show. We hope that you enjoyed it and you got some positivity out of it. If you did, please let us know and share it with a friend. Until next time, go and be the light.